Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the September 23rd, 2012 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It's the podcast devoted to the discussion of news and politics from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, Objectivism. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and also joining me here in the studio is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. We are continuing live our intervention series today with a look at free speech issues. And again, for those who aren't familiar with it, our Intervention for Gary Johnson Voters series, it's tongue-in-cheek intervention. We put it in scare quotes everywhere we go. It's not like we think that people who want to vote for Gary Johnson are alcoholics or drug addicts, but we do think that they are making a mistake, and we are trying to convince them that they should not be throwing away their vote with Gary Johnson. We think it is very, 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 very important to get Barack Obama out of office. And if you are doing anything other than casting a vote at the ballot box, checking the box, whatever you're doing, hitting the little cursor on the computer, whatever it is, for Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan, if you're not doing that, In today's context, that means you are helping to put Barack Obama back in office. And so our series has been geared towards trying to make real to people, because we think it just can't be real to them, how bad it really will be if we have four more years of Barack Obama in office. And so therefore, to communicate the urgency of getting him out. That's really what our series is about and as it turns out, those of you who did listen to last week's pre-recorded show, it was a interview with Leonard Peikoff, it did turn out that that particular interview fell right in with the intervention series. And if you listen to the end of the interview in particular, when I did ask Leonard Peikoff about the election and, and some political issues, you got to see exactly why. And, and many people who've listened to this show before and who have gone to Bosch's blog and seen the uh, nihilist poster of of Barack Obama, and those who have listened, of course, to Leonard Peikoff's lectures, know that he has classified Obama as an egalitarian nihilist, a nihilist, someone who sets out to destroy all human values, that that's actually what their agenda is about, and that, you know, and and Peikoff in the book explains in, you know, in the dim hypothesis, which he talked about last week, he explains why it is that egalitarianism as a philosophy, as a political philosophy, is necessarily nihilist because it involves the destruction of those characteristics about people that make them capable of the creation of human values. So if you're going to try to make everybody equal, what are you going to do? If you take it to its logical extreme, you are going to destroy human beings' productive ability. So, yeah, last week fell right in with this series, but we've talked about fiscal issues. We've talked about foreign policy. Today, I want to talk about free speech issues. And in fact, one of you know the the issue that get, you know just gave me the idea of doing this particular show, focusing on free speech. Uh, it actually tied right in with our last live show, which was about foreign policy. Why? Because the thing I want to talk about is the fallout from the anti-Islam movie that's been on YouTube and also the treatment, and this is the most important part, the treatment of the producer of that movie. 
And then, in addition, I do want to talk about something that doesn't have to do with foreign policy because, uh, you know, the, like I said, the the inspiration for this was that those foreign policy events that occurred a few days after our last show on 9-11, starting on 9-11 and continuing through now. Uh, but the second issue has nothing to do necessarily directly with foreign policy. It is the Disclose Act. I don't know if people have heard about this. The Disclose Act was passed by the House in 2010 before the midterm election. It's thankfully been blocked twice by filibuster in the Senate back in 2010. Now it's been rearing its ugly head again, and I, I you know, I, I think it continues to be blocked by the Republicans in the Senate. But Nancy Pelosi has recently vowed that if there is another Obama term and or another Democratic majority in the House, that she pledges to go ahead and pass this Disclose Act. And I'll, I'll talk about it again. Essentially, the Disclose Act wants to reverse the ruling of the Supreme Court and Citizens United and take away free speech rights for corporations and other organizations that are, of course, big, evil, bad businesses. That's that's what the Democrats would like to do is take free speech rights away from them. So we will talk about that. Um, some people in the chat room here are talking about Gary Johnson. Uh, Tim says that apparently Gary Johnson is suing to be included in the debates. Now, isn't it the case. If you're a true libertarian, right, and if you believe that the people who run the particular debates are organizations, private right. organizations, I assume that these are, these are television networks, private organizations that choose to host the debates, broadcast the debates, that their right to free speech would include deciding the rules of, of you know, about whom to include in the debates. And so Gary Johnson, he's suing. He's trying to get the government to compel them right. to include him when they Good don't point. voluntarily want to do it. But he's a libertarian. That's right. Yeah. Can I just say one thing about Gary Johnson? Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, three people that I know, well-informed. They know their stuff about politics, everything. Uh, when I brought up uh, the name Gary Johnson, all three of them said in different contexts, who's that? Yeah. Who's Gary Johnson? <laughs> And that's that's a point. I, mean, I, I, th I think that's telling in terms of is there any hope in the world of having Gary Johnson get elected? Zero. Zero. Um, and then what is your motive for voting for Gary Johnson? And it's right. some sort of I want to feel good. Yep. I, I don't like the choices we have. I don't like the choices we have. I want to make a statement. I yeah. want to educate people. As if we have the luxury of yeah. doing all those things today. Yeah. And, 2012, and, Obama. Well, and, and, and as if, as if the act of voting in the booth right. is, is an act of education or anything else other than you saying, look, I'm going into the voting booth. We have a particular context in terms of how my vote is going to achieve a certain effect or not. You know, going in, if you put anything other than Romney Ryan then you're saying Obama. You're you're basically saying Obama. That's what's going on this, this year. But I, I think that Gary Johnson himself has gone out and told people to go ahead and throw away their votes on him. I know that some Gary Johnson supporters have said that. Hmm. I also know uh, some Gary Johnson supporters have tried to make the argument that they live in states <sighs> where their vote doesn't really matter. So, again, they want to go ahead and feel good when they cast their vote. They want to help, you know, get Gary Johnson a certain percentage to help educate for the future. I, I, I just, I would like to encourage people to separate education from voting. I am all for you going out there and saying, I would prefer to vote for Gary. I would prefer to vote for Gary Johnson. I would. I Even though I think a lot of stuff he does is lame, and I think right. he's far from perfect. I would prefer to vote for Gary Johnson if I thought that was the choice that if we could go ahead. If he was going against Obama, yes. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's going against reality. So I, I want to get Obama out and then have the ability to continue our educational mission. So let's let's talk about free speech because free speech is very, very, very important to our Man. ability to continue the 
educational mission. And again, this show is called Don't Let It Go Unheard. It is a takeoff from the essay that Ayn Rand wrote called Don't Let It Go. And what is it that you're not supposed to let go? The American sense of life and the American way of life. And, you know, again, I keep going back to this, but it really struck me when Jerome Brooks said it in the interview here on the show. One thing that is threatened by another term of Barack Obama is having four more years of Barack Obama in the spotlight with the sycophantic media, with the bully pulpit, saying all of his horrible and destructive things, poisoning further, destroying further the American sense of life that we have been counting on to at least save us from the lack of an explicitly good philosophy. Our goal is to spread that explicitly good philosophy. In the meantime, our ally in that is to take the implicit American sense of life that has been getting eroded, you know, by people like Barack Obama and and his predecessors. So, you know, free speech itself is very, very important because it's the thing that allows us to continue to get our message out there. And I do believe that if we have another four years of Barack Obama, that it would be much worse, significantly worse from the aspect of having free speech than it would be under a mix. Absolutely. Romney, you know, and again, and again, that's our standard. What was what? Tell me about the cartoon again. You have to remind us of the cartoon that you had. You've been posting like crazy Mitig- on your mitigator? blog. Yes, mitigator. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Mitt, Mitt Romney is basically Jonathan saying, Aiken. yeah, I'm I'm not going to be nearly as bad as Barack Obama. I mean, that, yeah, that's 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 really that's the subtext. And and my my whole question is, is Mitt Romney going to be significantly less bad? than Barack Obama with respect to these issues. And with respect to free speech, I think he will, as evidenced by the fact that even Senate Republicans, who I think are, you know, they they didn't manage to block Obamacare for us. They have managed to uh, block this particular monstrosity of the Disclose Act. So we'll go ahead and and talk some about this. But again, the, the first issue that I wanted to talk about was the anti uh, anti Islam movie on YouTube that supposedly caused a bunch of Muslims to storm our embassy in Libya, take hostage and kill and rape our ambassador. Because Muslims have never murdered before this film. No, no, no. They never have. No. Um, You know, that's what we got to wake up to on September 11th. The 11th anniversary of September 11, 2001, is news that uh, supposedly in reaction to a little film on YouTube, all of these horrible attacks on embassies, in particular in Egypt and in Libya, were going on in which uh, in Egypt they stormed the embassy, ripped down our flag, and put up... The, what, it, what is actually known as the black flag of Islam. And if you actually read the original news story, it said that they replaced the American flag with the black flag of Islam in our embassy in Cairo. Of course, if you read Drudge Report, right. Drudge changed the headline and he made it say the, the black, black flag, flag of, of jihad. jihad. So, you know, I think that uh, Drudge, Drudge himself is, is complicit in trying to whitewash Islam to a, a, a small extent, at least. Um, so there was that. But, I mean, even more horrific was this attack in Libya. And as we've seen, you guys, I think, have probably all kept up with the news stories, and my, my purpose today is to not continue foreign policy. But shamefully, our administration mm-hmm. basically tried to blame the attack in Libya and the murder of some Navy SEALs and our ambassador on a movie that was on YouTube, even though, apparently, they were warned three days in advance about this attack. The attack was very well orchestrated and planned, such that it couldn't have been just a a spontaneous reaction to a movie on YouTube. You know, it was on 9-11, of course. How convenient. And if you saw the uh, face and the rage coming out of Hillary Clinton about uh, how this Despicable, the filmmaker and the and the film was about the murders. I think she was probably less angry, but just I mean, think about that. She got enraged about the film. 
But the actual murders, well, you know. I mean, she's saying she expects Muslims to act this way, in her own way. So then the the distressing thing for anybody who is uh, an advocate of free speech, and actually I promised to back up and say why free speech is so important. It You know, it's not only for our educational mission, right? If you've ever listened to Ayn Rand field questions about when does a society deteriorate to the extent that you say it's time to shrug, that it's time that you actually need to stop participating and contributing value to society. Free speech is a huge litmus test for her. Um, So at the point where you can no longer try to make society better by speaking the truth, where free speech is no longer protected, that is going to be important. If you go back and read Essays in Capitalism, The Unknown Ideal, uh, a couple of them at least are completely centered on the particular uh, encroachments on free speech that were going on in the the 60s. And I would say that what we've had coming since then is is even worse. And what they want to do in the future is even worse. So it's a it's an extremely important issue. So let's let's talk about how this particular movie producer was treated. Uh, first of all, just as a so-called private matter, again, I, I see the I see the media right now as just being the right hand of wow. Barack Obama. But the one thing that's just inexcusable, you have a private company. I think CNN is a yeah. private company, even though supposedly they do a lot of Obama's bidding. They're the ones who outed the name and address. For what purpose? Of this particular movie maker? Yeah. How? How? Why is it newsworthy, his particular name? And, and suppose it is newsworthy. If you have integrity, uh, wouldn't you say, okay, well, here are some people who want to kill in the name of free speech, and I think that we should not help them. Or, you know, kill because of speech, you know, kill in degradation. Of or they're saying, let's give them his name and address so they won't kill us. Right? Or so that they can go ahead and kill him because we've given up the whole idea of free speech. I don't know. So, first of all, I'm not even going to mention the guy's name um, because I don't want to contribute to just spreading his name further. But, uh, you know, they announce his name, they announce where he lives and everything. And then a few days after the you know, murders and rape. rape and everything in Libya, we see it was the Saturday evening after September 11th, I believe. Saturday night, police waited until after midnight when the media was no longer surrounding this man's home because they wanted to have... There was some media there, obviously. But, you know, if if the police had gone there and told the remaining few media outlets to leave, that would have probably been more remarkable than what happened. So they have a whole bunch of local police escorting this man who was responsible. He was a voluntarily Egyptian Coptic Christian, yeah. but he's Egyptian American. He had, you know, probably been yeah. a citizen here for some time. Uh, they were escorting him to the police station to supposedly talk to federal officers about his probation, that maybe he had violated the conditions of his probation but, by you know, putting the video up on YouTube. And the cops said, uh, said there were no cops, so he couldn't have been arrested. I mean, there were no cops. There were no cops, Literally, therefore so it, was, it, it was voluntary. Exactly. I mean, we, we have no idea. Yeah, we have no idea what went on in terms of the conversation. They may have convinced him to go without handcuffs. Um, they may have told him all sorts of things about why it was for his own good. Or I whatever. think uh, just just as a thought, I just think Obama likes uh, Islamic critics to see that in order to just think twice about criticizing Islam, that, yeah. you, that you'll get a visit, a midnight visit by the cops. Yeah, and again, this was the same thing. You know, the, the pictures brought back to me in my mind the pictures of them taking Ilian Gonzalez. Right, exactly when right. the government is going to take somebody out of their home, they're going to do it in the middle of the night, you know, and and it's even more terrifying, you know. So, so you know, supposedly you, you say, oh, well, it was voluntary. He was going to go talk to the officers, and they chose to do it after midnight because then there's less press, and then he covered himself so then they wouldn't recognize his face or whatever, his face wouldn't be out there. Is there any voluntary conversation with the cops? 
I mean, I, I don't I don't think so. You know, even if I get pulled over in one of those um, routine, you know, like on Saturday nights, they'll post some cops out there and they'll have a stop to just kind of screen for drunk driving and they'll talk to you for a couple seconds just to see if they think you're drunk or something. I don't feel like that's, you know, at all voluntary. And But, of course, they think, you know, they're not doing anything beyond uh, what they're allowed to do just with normal traffic. I don't know. So, so, so this guy. I mean, it, not voluntary, first of all. And and if you just think about what the smallest thing that the government can do to you that is going to inhibit your speech, we can go back to that attack watch issue. And actually, yeah. Leonard Peikoff brought up attack watch th- last week. It's yeah. obviously a, a concrete that was remarkable to him as well, and and it was to me. We talked about it actually in the show. Last year, it was it was yeah, a year ago. Yeah. It was September of last year that we were all yeah attack watch, yeah. Um, where Obama was gathering information about people who were supposedly criticizing him unfairly, attacking with inaccuracies or whatever. But they were, you know, picking up gathering information. And Obama's tried to do this in many different ways: gather email addresses. Now he's got Facebook doing his uh, his. Dirty duty. Um, anyway, uh, with Attack Watch, right? I have a post on my blog that you can read, and it is entitled "Attack Watch as a Case Study of How Force Stops Thinking," and it's enti- it's uh, dated September fourteenth, two thousand eleven. You can go read it there. If you, I mean, just think about this: if you are a critic of Islam. And you see the picture of this man being taken out of his home yeah. after midnight with a bunch of police officers, even if he doesn't have handcuffs on. Yeah. And you're told that he is being questioned by federal officials to determine whether he's violated the terms of his probation. Terms of his probation have to do with a previous conviction for bank fraud, which is totally unrelated to anything. Don't you just a little bit hesitate in what you're going to post the next time or say the next time. You are aware in the back of your mind of some small possibility of negative consequences being visited upon you by the government, and that is going to, in some small way, affect the way that you think about stuff. And I know, I mean, it, I you know, not that it stopped me. I'm sitting here talking to you now, and I'll continue, but... It's in my mind. I know it's probably had some small, tiny effect. And, you know, Rand's point about how government force stops thinking is not, oh, at the slightest, you know, intimation mm-hmm. or threat of force, suddenly you just shut up completely and you stop talking. It is that to the extent you are being threatened, you will change the way that you're thinking about what are actual legitimate open possibilities for you to express yourself yes. and express the truth. And that's the purpose. Uh, Tim in the chat room says here the chilling effect, and it, it definitely is. There is a chilling effect of this. There's a chilling effect of attack watch. You know, you know, and it, yeah, it might only have a very tiny effect for somebody who is determined to continue to express himself, but the effect is still there, and it and the fact. You know, anybody here who's even typing here in the chat room, right? If you can introspect and you can say, yeah, it's affected me just that little bit, you you know that it's true. So I would say that that was a very vivid image. Or it could go the other way and do more work against Islam, be more critical. Well, it can inspire you to be more critical in the sense that you decide you're going to fight against it. But there's also the idea that it's going, I mean, you're making that decision in effect. And and you're saying, I'm going to take this risk of government exerting force. But think about it. We we still live in a free country, relatively free. Uh, The way you uphold free speech is by using it again and again, especially about these things that I tell you you can't, you shouldn't say this. Even Romney, in in his defense, said, well, it's not right that the guy did that. You know, he has every right, as in, yeah, he has every right, but he shouldn't have done that, you know. That's a great defense. That's the same thing that George W. Bush, George Bush, the senior, pulled. Okay, let, let, me, let me ask you this question, yeah. because, so, so Romney has said that something the guy weak. has, well, he says something weak. Technically. He says the guy has the right to yes. do it, but he shouldn't yes. have done it? Yes, Okay. 
Now, one thing that I wanted to say along these lines is that I don't think someone who is in a position of power in the government should be telling anybody out there, like using the bully pulpit to say, oh, this guy shouldn't say that thing. Now, you know, this this is a criticism of a religion, right? So, for instance, I, I could see a government official if, you know, so someone is supposedly trying to exercise their free speech, but what they're doing is that they're actually calling for violent action. Then I can see a government official saying, no, that guy shouldn't do that, right? right? But here this guy is just putting out a criticism of Muhammad and Islam. Yeah. And if, the you know, someone like Obama, Hillary Clinton, even... Mitt Romney. Who wants power, who wants... Yeah, who's trying to get power and saying, look, I'm going to be probably, in a, hopefully, in a position of power. Um, he gets up there and he says, well, you shouldn't do that. The, I mean, I there's just, there's just that little tiny hint of implication because he comes behind him with the imprimatur of, of government yeah. and the ability to use the power of government against people. You feel just slightly threatened. Yeah, you do. And uh, I just, I don't know. You do. So 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 there's that. Now you said that Romney did say though he has the right to do it yeah. but he shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Now and has Obama said I never he heard has that. the right to do I it. I have not heard now he, he, all, may, all he may have heard, said it. I just haven't heard it. All I've heard from Obama and again I you know he plans apparently to speak in front of the UN General Assembly assembly this week. Obama plans to do that. And he plans and to from, condemn the filmmaker. He plans to condemn the message of the film. I don't know if he plans to condemn the murderers, but the well, filmmaker he will. He plans to then also say that Sorry. there shouldn't be violence. Okay, no, in he, yeah, he might condemn violence. Right. Just violence, you know. Not any oh yeah, particular... no. Par- parsing his yeah. language is going to be very he, important. He will condemn quote unquote yeah. violence and yeah. specifically condemn an individual for doing everything he has a right to do. A film critical of Islam or whatever, even even about America. Yeah. So the only point being is that unless you hear Obama say yes, he has the right to do it, then Romney, to that extent, is at least better. Right. Technically, and that's the thing, he will be a true yeah. mitigator. Yeah. The filmmaker, by the way, was taken out of his home. He never returned to his home. Supposedly, he is choosing to stay in an undisclosed location for his own safety, which is plausible. It's plausible. Safety from from whom, though? Well, it's plausible because now we've got both Iran and Pakistan calling for his death. Uh, Someone in Iran... Did uh, Obama defend uh, the filmmaker from those threats? Says nobody threatens our citizens. Did he say that? Did he come I, out? I don't think I've seen that. What he did say is that we're going to defend democratic values. What does that mean? Yeah, apparently that's what he plans to say this week, is he's going to say he's going to defend democratic values. Uh, You know, in in terms of our own media and their ability to defend free speech themselves, didn't you say, Bosch, that this week you've seen members of our own media... calling for restrictions. ...calling for restrictions against people like this filmmaker. Yeah. So I, I think that is particularly despicable. We should assume that our own media would help to uh, support that. So in Iran, the supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, and actually right now the article that I'm looking at, but there's a million articles out there, I'm looking at one from the Daily Mail reporter, but it was in conjunction with the Associated Press, says it was published on the 17th of September, updated on the 18th. The Ayatollah Ali Khamenei issued a statement calling on the West that it shows that showed uh, it respects Islam by blocking the film. And then there is someone in Iran called Rahmini or something. Rahmini. Rahmini. He is the vice president. Reza Rahmini. Reza Rahimi. Oh, Rahimi. I'm sorry. That's good. Thank you, Bosch. Um, anyway, it says the government of the Islamic Republic of Iran condemns this inappropriate and offensive action. Certainly, it will search for, track, and pursue this guilty person who has insulted 1.5 billion Muslims worldwide, end quote. Um, what authority does a vice president of Iran have to track down some American the authority, citizen? The authority that, that we give him. Yeah. By not condemning him, by not threatening him back. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Ahmadinejad 
coming for another visit this coming week. And I even am aware of someone who has issued an interview request with Ahmadinejad and then was all excited when Ahmadinejad accepted and plans to sit down with the man. But no, these people are calling for you know, tracking down our citizens uh, in total contravention of any sort of, uh, you know, territorial integrity and sovereignty. So that's Iran. Pakistan, you've got a minister. He's the railway minister in in uh, Pakistan. He has put a bounty on this man's head of 100000 U.S. dollars for the person who is successful in killing the filmmaker. And yet I think also this week there was a refusal to cut off aid to Pakistan. Is that right? right. Yeah. Yeah. By, so, by Republicans and, and Democrats. Can I, just, uh, can I just ask the listeners just one question? Sure. If there are any Gary Johnson um, would-be voters, could you please uh, link us maybe on uh, the Don't Let It Go Facebook page, link us to where Gary Johnson uh, wants to basically uphold this man's right to continue criticizing Islam and defend and his defense of free speech. I just want to watch the video because I mean he must be out there, right? Oh, I would hope Gary so. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He, he must be out there defending free speech. Yeah, like like a libertarian would. I, w- I just want to get the video because I mean he must be out there. I would I would think so. You know the one uh, libertarian. I haven't heard it otherwise. The one libertarian person who I thought was really good on this issue throughout. People know we watch Red Eye. Uh, Andy Levy. Yeah. And actually, you know, Gutfeld himself has been very mm-hmm. good. And they had uh what what's her name? Kennedy who was on? Right. The former She was a former VJ. MTV VJ yeah. and she was on an excellent about this issue. They had some was, really really good discussions about this issue this week. But this idea that our reaction is going to be condemning the filmmaker not making any sort of a strong stance about we protect his right to free speech, yeah. that we will protect him from the threats against uh, you know against him from these foreign governments. I mean, this guy has to worry about our government and the enemy states. Right. I and mean, that's what he has to worry about. By the way, someone brings up here Pat Condell's latest video, which is great. you got to watch it. Um, I think uh, it's called A Word to Rioting Muslims. Check it out. It's one of the best he, he's ever done. I mean, a lot of people are hoping that Obama has really, really more than before, although he's done it a million times, shot himself in the foot in terms of getting reelected right. because he so blatantly tried to blame a stupid video on YouTube for murders, murders of his own ambassador to Libya. And he has, he's not doing anything strong in response. I mean, it's it's just really pathetic his response to this this whole thing and and i do look forward to parsing his u.n general assembly speech this week because i'm sure it's going to be vastly disappointing so uh in terms of what is happening now with this particular man as far as i know he remains in this undisclosed location trying to remain safe his family has also left their home to join him there escorted by local police to the undisclosed location. Um, You know, they have a little passage in the AP story where they talk about what, you know, is there actually a probation violation, a possible probation violation? And they say, really, there's not so much of a probation violation possible here. It's It's a total pretext. Why? Because typically the conditions of your probation are supposed to have something to do with what, offense you committed and he committed a, the offense of bank fraud which has nothing to do with posting videos critical of islam so there's no way he was violating the conditions of his probation yeah. so then the story i this i this sentence just blew my mind from the story and they continued to to publicize it everywhere it says uh while it was unclear what might have provoked the authorities interest dot 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 uh, you know the the timing lets you know exactly they you know they got the feds the feds drummed up a pretense of dragging him in there for so called voluntary questioning about the terms of his probation even though they have little or no case so that is how your government treats you when you yeah. post a controversial video out there and it happens to coincide in, in terms of timing yeah. with a well planned and well orchestrated series of 
protests against our embassies worldwide, all over. I mean, I think there was stuff going on in Australia. I just read about something in oh, yeah. Greece. Everywhere, Muslims have been emboldened because of our lack of response to the initial smattering of, of such you know, demonstrations and protests and murders on September 11th itself. We've seen, what, 15 people died in Pakistan? Yeah, 17. 17, yeah. I don't know. Um, Greece had some stuff going on, all kinds. Uh, another article here that I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, entitled Dimitude Obama Style, yeah. written by George Newmar. Is that how you would pronounce it? Newmar. And it was published at the American Spectator on the 18th of September. Context here, you know, and this is the thing that Andy Levy was so good about. Our own embassy in Cairo tweeted an apology denouncing the movie. Okay. In what way? Because Muslim feelings were hurt. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all because of Muslim feelings are hurt. The whole concern is preserving the feelings of. Because the, we were very concerned about Nazi feelings, German feelings, Japanese feelings, World War II. Yeah. So Newmar is just cataloging the various reactions of people in the Obama administration. Hillary Clinton continues to call Islam a great religion even as its adherents set fire to embassies and cheered the killing of U.S. diplomats and Navy SEALs. As far as I know, there was only one diplomat, but it was enough from what I uh, saw. The more violence Islam produces, writes Dumar, he says, the more liberals insist it is peaceful. Uh, and then there were a number of pundits that said, for instance, uh, that the Justice Department should, this is Mike Barnacle from MSNBC said that the Justice Department should round up Florida Pastor Terry Jones. Remember, he was oh, the one yeah. who burned the Quran. Round him up as an accessory to crimes. I refer to him as the puppet pastor in the one cartoon where he made the killers kill by burning his uh, Quran. Oh yeah, they're all they're all just your puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you burn the Quran, then you are forcing their hand, basically. Um, now, uh, Neumeyer says, so much for fighting to the death for free speech. Uh, and he talks about also, and I, I, people just probably forgot this already in the in the news cycle. It's disgusting. Yeah. But the administration actually asked YouTube, which is associated yes, with Google, does. to pull the video down. Yes, Thankfully, Google refused. Yes. So good for it for doing that. Good. But I also read that what Google did is agree to restrict the viewership mm. Of the video, so they said, "Well, we won't let it be shown in certain countries yeah. in order to. So we're not going to take it down, but we're going to. So the, you know, they're they're not great. They they do stand up to government a little bit, but they aren't a hundred percent either. So Newmeyer writes, he says, perhaps while they're at it, they should ask Barnes and Noble to confiscate all copies of Dante's Inferno, as Dante places Muhammad in hell right. in Dante's Inferno. So why with, not? With his know? chest ripped open." And, it, and he's moaning. Perfect, right. yeah. Um, and, of course, Obama was using all of this criticism of this man's speech, his video, as a cover-up for the fiasco of September 11th, the real cause, which is Obama's gross lack of security. And we talked about this in the foreign policy. We learned after these embassy attacks that... Similarly, you remember we talked about the Afghanistan bases, the the joint bases that we had in Afghanistan, that we hired Afghanis to protect our military installations in Afghanistan in order to allow for the continual drawdown of troops. Similarly, we rely on the host country to protect our embassies. Host in country these that is one of our enemies. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the, I, I suggest you go ahead and go take a look at this article. Um, one of the one of my favorite uh, things is he he's talking about Oliver Wendell Holmes. You know, of course, Oliver Wendell Holmes said that you can't shout fire in a crowded theater, and this is, you know, this admonition applies, says Newmeyer, only to falsely shouting fire in a hmm. theater if there is no fire. He says the thrust of the hate crime style liberalism is to prevent people from shouting fire when the theater is actually burning. Excellent. And here, the theater is actually burning. There is a problem with Islam. Um, I mean, and, and I, if you didn't see that with 
the mobs this week and the way that they've reacted. I don't, I don't and again, you know, these are not uh, Al Qaeda running around calling for a death, burning and killing. These are Muslims. You know, these are Muslims yeah. doing what they ought to do according to the Quran. I want to take a call here in a second. Just one more quick reminder on this story of the our administration and its attitude towards criticism of Islam. We know in the past that, for instance, they've tried to depict the Fort Hood massacre as an issue of workplace violence and scrub all references, critical references to Islam as causes of violence even in yeah, in his training materials. Yeah, even Time magazine has up. is fed up with that. But um recall that earlier this year we had a lieutenant colonel by the name of Matthew Dooley who was teaching a course that was critical of Islam at the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Joint Forces Staff College. And he was relieved of his teaching duties because he had this course. So our administration has shown that they have no sympathy for criticisms of Islam, and it will definitely just you know be one indication of what we can see in the next administration. So let me go ahead and take this call here. Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you? So... Uh, how horrified were you when you saw the picture of this filmmaker being dragged out of his house after midnight? Oh man, that was uh that was really creepy. Um that's uh it's pretty shocking that they that they tried to say, Oh, he voluntarily went, like you're supposed to feel kind of soothed and comforted, like, oh, there's nothing to worry about because it was just voluntary. He just went in there to talk about uh to, to voluntarily to talk with these federal uh, or was it federal? I can't remember who it was. Some kind of government representative. That, that, especially since it was in the middle of the night. I mean, that's just really yeah. disturbing. Yeah, it was. It was federal probation officers because the crime, you know, his bank fraud was a federal crime. Of course, the federal, you know, the federal government has its hands in all sorts of banking stuff. So yeah, federal probation officers. But he was taken by his local friendly neighborhood police force. So that should make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? This just shows how the the massive bureaucracy, the the massive administrative state, can be used for purposes other than its ostensible purpose. They can be used for intimidating and controlling people because somehow this has to do with bank fraud. The fact that he made this movie and posted it online—I mean, that's ridiculous. That's it's obviously not to do with bank fraud that he was voluntarily brought in for questioning right after this movie's release and all this violence uh, breaks out in the Middle East, which was on 9-11. And nobody seems to even want to talk about that, like that it was, there are indications that it was premeditated and that it didn't really have anything to do with the video. Yep, no, exactly. And what they're counting on is they're counting on the vaguely worded statutes, court orders, everything else that could be bent any particular way to serve their purposes of the moment. And, you know, the the idea of, I just, I just love that story, you know, while it is unclear, you know, what gave rise to the federal officer's interest in this man is like, what do you mean it's unclear? We know, we all know exactly why. They, uh, they couldn't get YouTube to take the video down. And one of their other tactics was to go ahead and intimidate this guy. Yeah, and and the response of of Obama and and Hillary Clinton is really just amazing. Like, I don't know if you guys heard Obama's statement right after this um, ambassador was killed, but like less than twenty four, basically the first first thing in the morning the next day, he said he 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 was really focused on how terrible it is to offend the Muslims, and then and then about the ambassador, he said, oh well, his memory lingers on, and you know that just sounded strange to me it's one of those weird things where like something horrible happens and obama is just completely unmoved by it and like his memory lingers on isn't really something you say less than 24 hours after someone is murdered you know i mean it's something maybe you say like 10 or 20 years later but just this total resignation about it like he, he just wasn't really concerned at all I, well, he was concerned, but just not about the, the murder. He was concerned about the fact that someone offended Muslims. He just he just seems so detached from any real human values. 
Outside and Islam. outside of Islam, yeah, he gets very passionate about that. He gets very passionate when he criticizes businessmen. Yes. Um, but mm-hmm. there's very few things where you feel like he things actually get through to him that they actually matter to him. And certainly, this particular ambassador, I did not get the impression no. that he was one. I mean, he just you know spoke of him as if you know. The guy, yes, something tragic happened. You know, he just kind of died in the line of service being her. I mean, this was horrible and disgusting. I mean, I I have not watched or looked at nearly the pictures that Bosch has been able to to tell me about on this. I just won't look. I mean, you tell me what happened to him, that he was raped twice, you know, once before death and once after death or whatever. That's enough for me. I'm done. Mm. I just don't want to see these pictures of him being dragged through the streets and whatever. It was disgusting. And to, and to not have a president that would... Yeah. I mean, imagine what, what... What do you think Ronald Reagan would have done, Debbie? You know, uh, it's hard to say because he was kind of a mixed bag. Like, after the attack um, when the 200 or so people... Were, the su- there was a suicide bombing. I think it was in Lebanon. Um Boy. He didn't really respond that strongly to it, as I recall. I mean, he, I'm sure he was better than Obama, but, but he sometimes seemed stronger than others. Um, I don't recall too well the, the specifics about that. I, I think he was, he was better probably than an Obama, but on that particular issue, he can, and it's actually, previous cartoons. Remember he had that uh, cartoon, oh, yeah. I Ran, and it was all the six presidents, the prior six presidents, running away from Iran, basically not facing them and, and telling them that... You know, Reagan did, you know, after um, Libya, they bombed, uh, I think it was a, a club in Germany and killed, I think, two Americans, and he, I guess, where, where he thought uh, Gaddafi was. So he was willing to use force. He definitely was, and he would have been better than the other guys. But who knows? Because he did run, you know, he did run from Iran. Who knows? Uh, actually, probably not to to talk about my particular thing. Did you have a point that you wanted to to make? Um. Well, actually, I was going to point out about. Uh, but then, while I was on hold, you already said it. I was going to point out, remind you about the administration supposedly asking Google to take this video down. Um but you already brought it up. So yeah. That I mean that is horrible itself right. because they, you know, asking and then if suppose Google did take it down, well they say, well they took it down voluntarily and then we're back mm-hmm. you know with an even bigger example of this the uh, attack watch idea. Now remember and I, I talked about this in a prior show Google is all tied up right now with the Federal Trade Commission, right? Because they have one of those privacy-related agreements and stuff, whereas, I mean, basically the federal government through the FTC has a backdoor and some control over Google because Google supposedly messed up on its privacy policies. Twenty years of federal government supervision right now with respect to Google's privacy policies, and tell me that is not, you know, some sort of a weight to hang over Google's head with respect to this. So. Uh, you know, you got to give it to Google. Google, a few years ago, told the federal government to just uh, go pound sand when the federal government was asking for a lot of search data about what you and I search for on Google. The federal government wanted a bunch of search data just given to them by Google because there was a particular piece of legislation they wanted to build up some evidence for or whatever. And Google said, sorry, we're not giving you. That is our private proprietary data and it's you know of course data about private citizens and what they search for on Google and they refuse to give it to the government so Google has been good here and there also you know, when the government asks you to stop doing something yeah they're, not, they're threatening yeah and Google said you know no so so first the government asked Google to to violate the privacy of their users and now the federal government's breathing down their necks on the pretense of protecting the privacy of their users? Something like that. I mean, you know, and, and I, I just, I, I really can't believe it. So I'm, I'm glad that they refused, but it is horrific that a administration, you know, a, federal, a presidential administration would ask an outlet to take down a video simply because it made some people upset. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's 
fairly unprecedented. Can you think of an example? Uh, no, um, but I did. You know, it did occur to me that I remember Ayn Rand said that even in Soviet Russia, censorship doesn't just happen all at once. It didn't oh. just happen all at once. It comes on. You know, it sort of creeps up in these ways where it's just a little, a little bit at a time. And I think that's important to point out that yes, there's nobody's going to kick down my door because I'm because of what I'm saying to you right now. But it's just creeping and it's moving in that direction. Right now in the chat room, we've got someone named Mikhail. Hello, I think that's a new participant in the chat room saying, "Didn't Google endorse Obama?" Probably, right? And we know that Zuckerberg has met with him and stuff. And and I don't know Steve Jobs even, who was criticizing Obama. I think also supported him to a certain extent. These guys are mixed bags, and I think to a, lo- a large extent they don't realize how much they cut their own throat when they support someone yeah. like Obama, but maybe they're starting to realize it now. I would hope. I, I, I would hope so, too. But now, of course, like I said, the, the Federal Trade Commission's got their claws in Google. So, um, Deborah, I'm going to go ahead and go on to a little bit of this Disclose Act discussion, if that's cool with you. Mm-hmm. Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's your friend, right? Oh, yeah, I love Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so, you know, she's out of power right now, but she is dreaming of the day that maybe she'll be back in power. She's actually under the delusion that the Democrats have a chance of taking back the House in November. How about President Pelosi? I mean, how about that? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so she is promising, if she's back in power, that her first thing on her agenda would be to pass a jobs bill, of course. Mm -hmm. And her jobs bill would be based largely on Obama's jobs bill. And if you want to know what's in that, of course, we go back to all the analysis of all Obama's speeches. Basically, Obama wants to steal money from producers and flush it down the toilet. That's his jobs bill, right? I think that's his jobs bill in a nutshell. Pretty much. It's like when he told Joe the plumber, this is economics by Obama, he told Joe the plumber, well, you know, you can't make money unless you have customers who are able to pay for your services. And this is his justification for taking the money from Joe the plumber to give to the customers who then give the money that was taken from him back to him in order to pay for his services. It's just insane. They'll, you know, they'll give it back to Joe the plumber, but only after the bureaucracy that's in between all those different layers strips all the money away. And so basically, yeah, throwing it down the toilet. So the other thing, the the second thing, the second on the list was that she wants to pass this Disclose Act. And had you heard of this Disclose Act before? Oh, yeah. I was really, like, calling all the Congress people and senators that I could when it was up last time for um, vote in, well, in the Senate uh, to try and convince the Republicans to vote no on it. And uh, it's not like a slam dunk that they're going to. I remember I called Susan Collins' uh, office, and they said that she doesn't usually decide until the last minute. And it was like the day of the vote. So it was she just kind of waits to see what direction the wind's blowing at some particular second, and then that, that split second she decides whether she's going to vote for it or not. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely familiar with it. It's really scary. That that is That's scary that someone would do that. Uh, the the act is called Democracy is Strengthened by Casting Light on Spending in Elections Act, and they try to portray it as transparency of some kind. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the act here, Deborah. So I'm going to go ahead and, and hang up uh, because sometimes we have a little bit of sound quality issues when we got a caller on. So I'll go ahead and say good, goodbye to you. Hopefully we talk to you again next week. Thanks for calling up again. So here on... Uh, the Disclose Act, really what it does, in essence, is try to reverse the Citizens United ruling from back in 2010. And in particular, what they want to do is they want to put restrictions on corporations spending money that is going to help out in elections. And they know because corporations are big and bad, and they're usually going to support someone like Romney. Uh as I said, in terms of the legislative history, we would have thought it was dead, but 
they have recently in the Senate been trying to bring up a version of the bill, Senate Bill 2219, and if they had succeeded, the particular uh, draft of the bill that I was looking at here was going to have an effective date of July 1st, 2012, which would have been in time to have an effect on the elections uh, this time around. So that would have been really scary. As far as I know, it is still being held up by the Republicans in the Senate, hanging on by a thread. Um, I know that the Republicans are getting criticized because they're supposedly hypocritical because aren't they for transparency in campaign finance? But I, I submit that if, first of all, this bill, this bill is a little bit hard to understand because it is an amendment to the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971, which itself is a series of restrictions on the way that you can go ahead and speak around the time of an election and all that. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to add a whole bunch of new disclosure requirements specifically for corporations that will, I would think, intimidate you from speaking either for or against particular political candidates. Uh, one of the things that's very controversial about the legislation is a description of the type of speech that if you fund a certain amount of the speech, you have to disclose the name of the donors, et cetera. So let me give you the description here. It is, um, you know, what what type is the, you know, what, what do you have to report? What is required to, to be reported? And it is, it, you have to report the funding of any speech that is what they call the functional equivalent of express advocacy. Now, it used to be that you would have to report the funding of speech that expressly said, vote for Romney, vote against Obama, whatever. So it would actually have to use certain language. Here now they've retreated. They say, well, let's make it even broader. Anything that is the functional equivalent of express advocacy. Hmm. And here it is. There's the, here's the description. If it expressly advocates the election or defeat of a clearly identified candidate or is the functional equivalent of express advocacy because, and here's what they mean by functional equivalent, they say when taken as a whole, it can be interpreted by a reasonable person only as advocating the election or defeat of a candidate, taking into account whether the communication involved mentions a candidacy, a political party, or a challenger to a candidate, or takes a position on a candidate's character, qualifications, or fitness for office. End quote. So that is such a wiggle word description. It's vague. It can be interpreted all over the place. Imagine that you are a company or an organization and you're contemplating putting speech out there and you're trying to decide whether this legislation applies to you and therefore whether you have to satisfy certain disclosure requirements. Um, uh, go look at the act. The act itself has incredibly onerous disclosure requirements such that people who are smaller organizations and again, you know, the, actually the, the spending, the amount of spending is not that much. It's like $10,000. I think fairly small organizations will spend $10,000 on political speech that might fall in these categories. Uh, they are widening the the amount of time in which this is applicable. It's 120 days, not even before the general election, 120 days before the first primary election. So they've made it completely ridiculous. Um, it, it's a huge mass of intimidating disclosure requirements and the decision about whether it's going to be applicable to you is left up to vague wording and supposedly forthcoming regulations that are to be written by the Federal Election Commission. So uh, this is what Nancy Pelosi would vow as her second priority to put through if, again, Barack Obama was elected and if she was, again, the Speaker of the House. I think the principle is uh, if Pelosi is for a bill, you, you have to be against it. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's principle. I mean, we're just lucky they didn't squeeze this by through with Obamacare. Oh, man. So, anyway, I've I, uh, painted a picture for you this week about 
the Obama administration's attitude towards free speech. Uh, again, go look at the Disclose Act. The Center for Competitive Politics has a nice policy briefing on the Disclose Act that you can go look at for more information. Everybody, thank you. Sorry this hour has gone so quickly. Thank you for calling in and participating in the chat room. If you like the show, go ahead and spread the word about it and tell your friends about our intervention series if you think that they need a little bit of intervention. You can join us on the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook where I you know, share stories throughout the week. You can comment on this show directly at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Follow on Facebook, all those things. You can actually follow this show itself on Blog Talk Radio, too. But do help spread the word. It's a word-of-mouth show. My mouth is only so... By the way, who is Garrett Johnson? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Have a good week, everyone. Take care. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus